heaven. God is sitting on his throne, anticipating another sinner will soon become his own. Years of wasted living and years of toil and strife are just about to be over as he receives the gift of life. Go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. Holy Spirit has been working to soften up their hearts. All he needs is a willing servant to simply do his part. Can you imagine up in heaven the joy there'll be that day when a sinner bows his head to pray? Can't you hear the Father say, Go sound the horn? Strike up the choir, a sinner is saved, saved from the fire. No more in darkness, he received my son. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. Start construction on his mansion, there on Hallelujah Street. He doesn't know yet what is waiting, when the Savior he will meet. He'll meet, go sound the horn, strike up the choir. A sinner is saved, saved from the fire, no more in darkness. He received my son, all heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. All heaven rejoices, that's the value of one. Amen. Good song. Good message. Amen. What a message. John 17, 17, as we're going to start tonight. John 17, 17. Humor in our doctrinal delicacies, and as I mentioned, um, I told you that we would be continuing probably in the Word of God. Well, today we're just going to do a real quick overview on that and consider it just a little bit. Last week, of course, we did just uh, dealt with the King James. Today we're going to deal with the Word of God in general. So John 17, 17 tonight. As we continue, and again, we want to move quickly because we want to leave plenty of time for our uh, <clears throat> communion here, and uh, we don't want to feel rushed in any way there either. Uh, and of course, with a meeting and so forth, and I realize, you know, we don't like to rush church, and we're not really going to, you know how that goes. But we do want to be aware of time, and we want to move along. I don't want anyone to feel like, man, we're going to get home at midnight. No, that we're, we're good to go. We're going to make it. It'll be all right, okay? John seventeen seventeen, the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Amen. Thy word is truth. It was interesting at the uh, nursing home where we go uh, once a month. Um, uh, you know, my dad was, he leads singing and, and um, 
he was talking about the Word of God. And he said, this book right here, this book is truth. We have no truth without the Word of God. And he's just going off, you know, and saying some things. And, it, you know, he wasn't preaching, but he was. But anyway, he was telling them, you know, that there's, there's no, I mean, the Word of God. I mean, it is truth. And you want to know something? It is truth. The Word of God. You want to know the truth? Then you got to get in the Word of God. And this book right here that we hold in our hands, the Bible, the Word of God, is the truth. And boy, I'll tell you what, you want to know what's right, you want to know what's wrong, you want to know how to handle issues and situations, circumstances, well, the Word of God, there it is. And so we have this wonderful guidebook. It's important to understand the the unique nature of the Word of God and how it relates to both you and I as believers now in Christ. It's so important that we understand that. And uh, as believers, I mean, this book is our guidebook. It has all the answers to this world's problems and our problems and our our situation. We don't always necessarily want to hear some of the answers. And we may not even agree at times with them. And we may not be convinced that they're the best way to go. But let me tell you, God always knows best in the end. And we have to trust Him. We have to believe. And uh, it's just the way it is. And, I mean, we want to do it right. We do it His way because His way is truth. And so, you know, the world continues to attack the authenticity and the the authority of the Word of God. They keep trying to tell us that it's not really any more important or any more valuable than any other work of literature in the world. But the fact is, is that we know that the author is God Himself. And as a result of that, we know that it's inerrant, infallible, it's perfect, it's true, it's right. And so we're not going to, we don't want to walk away from this book without gleaning and growing as much as we can in it. And so we have a great Bible, a Word of God. It's God's Word to us. And so we want to learn some things about it. Well, last week, of course, we talked about some things. We talked about, the, about inspiration. And, and, and so by way of just a summary, let me just say that in 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible had said, all scriptures given by inspiration of God. And so we noted that the word inspired literally means to be God-breathed. This book, again, is from God. It's His Word. It's not our Word. It's His Word. And so we're grateful for that today. It's not man-made. It wasn't man. Uh, it wasn't the idea of man. It was God's idea, and it was God's, and it's ultimately God's word. And so it was inspired by God, given from God to mankind, and we're certainly grateful for that. And then we talked about the doctrine of preservation, and we said that not only is the word of God inspired, but it has been preserved now throughout these centuries and throughout these uh, these millenniums. And so God's Word has been preserved for us. That word preservation means to, 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 to keep or to defend from corruption or evil. And, and this book has been kept clean. It's been kept uh, incorrupted. And uh, we're grateful for that. Man has sought to corrupt it. The devil sought to corrupt it. But it is God's Word and it is a pure Word. And it's God's Word and we're thankful for it today. So we may not have originals today. And we know that's the case. But what we do have is the Word of God preserved for us by the power of God. Not the power of man, the power of God. And so we're grateful for that. Psalm 12, 6 and 7 says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Uh, The psalmist says, hey, from my time all the way through forever, it's preserved. It's good to go. It's God's Word. And no one, nothing can corrupt it because God's keeping it clean. And so that's what we understood as we went through last week. And we've seen that what we hold in our hand is a Bible. And it's God's Word. It is perfect, infallible, without error. And what we, 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 can put our, we can place our faith and trust in it. And we don't have to be concerned about that. He's going to fulfill His promises. 
And uh, so we're glad for the Word of God. So today I want to share just a couple of things with you very briefly about the Word of God. And then we'll move along into our communion tonight. So let's have a, a word of prayer as we get into doctrinal delicacies. A really great doctrine, the Word of God. And uh, boy, not one, there's not one very much better than that. I mean, you can't beat that. Without that book, we're in trouble. We have nothing, okay? And so we're grateful for the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, just for uh, the privilege it is to gather here tonight. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for just, uh, just the, the relationship that you allow us to have with you. We're grateful for the book that is your word and how it, it, it enlightens us as to how you want to interact and deal with us and what you expect from us, your expectations. And Lord, we're thankful that, Father, we can know how to please you because of the word of God that you give us. Now, Father, we want to honor you tonight. And, Lord, we know that by elevating you and your word, uh, Father, there's no doubt that you'll be glorified. And, and we know, Father, that that will please you. So, Lord, help us now, we pray. And we just ask that you be magnified in this service. Now, Father, allow your Holy Spirit to work in each of our lives. Fill me and fill this congregation even now that we may, Father, truly leave here. Filled not only with your spirit, but enlightened and, and <clears throat> given great knowledge and understanding of your word. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> all right, let's go ahead and talk about a couple of things. First of all, some basic facts about the Bible. There are 66 books in the Word of God. Someone says, oh, that was easy. Okay, well, how many chapters are there then? There's 1,189 chapters. Uh, Forty writers were utilized over the course of 1,600 years to put this on paper, if you will, and to, to ultimately the book we hold in our hand. Uh, was, you know, 40 different writers, okay? That's, that's a lot of writers. And obviously there's one author. But nonetheless, we have 40 writers over a 1,600-year period. Again, we said it's infallible. We know that it's without error. Uh, there are no contradictions in it. And the fact is, is that the Word of God is based on the Lord Himself. It's funny, uh, it's, I've, at least I've heard this. I, I haven't taken the time to count all the verses, uh, to count all the words in the Bible and to like find the middle one. But they tell me, and I've heard, that Psalm 118, verse 8 is the, the, the verse uh, right in the middle of the Bible. And it's interesting, as you look at that verse, uh, well, I'll just read it real quick. Let me turn to it. But um, if that's true, and, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I can't 100% vouch for that. I can't. Uh, I, I wish I could. Um, I, I don't know who, I, where I even got that. I think it was at Bible college somebody told me that. Uh, but that doesn't make it true just because someone tells you. But if you'd like to count it, uh, I'd be happy to uh, happy for you to figure that out for me. And I'm sure with all these programs we have nowadays, you know, Bible programs, somebody could find that a lot easier. I don't know. I'm not that savvy with that. But, but they say that 118 verse 8 is the, the, the middle verse of the Bible. And it goes like this. It says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And then you go to the middle words. If you count it, one, two, three, four, five, six, you count back six, one, two, three, four, five, six, what you're left with is the Lord. That's kind of interesting, if indeed that's the case. So I'd love to know that, if that's the middle verse. Somebody find that for me someday. Not now. Don't go into your phone and, and research this whole hour. Let's just worry about that later. But I think that's interesting because to me, it would make sense to me. Because the Word of God is about Him. It's His book. He said, you know, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me, he says. 
in, in chapter 5, verse 39 of the book of John. So we know that this book's about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's kind of befitting. It would, be, it would make sense that the Lord would be the center at the center of the book as far as uh, verses and, and, and so forth and so on. So anyway, that was kind of interesting, I thought. Now, that's just some basic facts. But what's the purpose of this book in the Christian's life? What role does it play in our life? And again, sometimes I think we, we think we know everything. You know, we do. We, we think we got it all figured out. We've been at this long enough to know how it works, right? Well, just humor me for a while. Just humor me and actually say, you know what? Okay, I know this stuff, but I'll listen at least. Amen. All right, so just help me out with this for a little bit. I know everybody knows the stuff we're going to talk about, and probably you do. But listen, let me tell you something. We need to be reminded about some things sometimes. Amen. It, it helps us. You know, the, one of the things that the Bible does on a regular basis, he always goes back and he says, now remember. Now remember. Don't forget. Don't forget. Remember. Remember. Why does he do that? Because he wants us to remember what God has done in our life in the past so that then we have confidence of what God will do in the future. You know, God calls us to a great task and we say, oh man, that's huge. Remember what I did in the past. Remember how I delivered you out of Egypt. Remember how you crossed over the Red Sea. Remember how you wandered in the wilderness 40 years. Remember how I met your needs. Because God's always trying to do that. So even in this thing called the Bible, let's remember some things. Maybe be reminded of some things that will help encourage us in the things of Christ. So the Word of God. What part does it play? What purpose does it play in our lives as believers? Well, first of all, the Word of God is spiritual food. It's spiritual food. The Bible likens itself to a number of things that, that you eat or drink. First of all, milk. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, the Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. It's, it's likened unto milk. Milk. Also, honey. Honey. Um, who will look up Psalm 119, verse 103? And read it for me. Okay, right there. All right, <clears throat> who will look up Proverbs 16, 24? Okay, right there on the front row. All right, go ahead. Right over here first. Go ahead. <clears throat> okay, he likens the word of God unto honey. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't know about you, but my kids love honey. My, 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 my wife, when we were, they were growing up, a lot of times wouldn't give them sugar. You know, she had sugar because dad ate sugar. But, but she wouldn't give the kids the sugar a lot of times. She'd put a little honey on things. Well, the Bible is likened unto honey. It's sweet. It tastes good. All right, go ahead, Sean. Stand up and read, would you please? <clears throat> pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. There you go. said pleasant words. Well, I don't know of any more pleasant words than the Word of God. So the Word of God, again, likened unto honey. Uh, that's important. Apples. Apples is another one. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 2. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of thine eye. Okay, we see things here that re relate the word of God to things that we eat or things that we, 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 we enjoy. Um, bread. It's likened unto bread. Luke 4, 4. And Jesus answered him saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of, the, of God. Okay, so again, it's likened unto bread. So we got milk, honey, apples, bread. What about this one? Water. Water. Turn your Bible uh, to Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. <clears throat> A great passage here in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 11. 
For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in a thing whereto I send it. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Now again, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven. Now again, likening the word of God to water now. Okay, just like the, the rain comes down from heaven and, and ultimately fulfills its purpose and, and plan that God has for it, so does his word, the same thing. It waters our life. It makes a difference in our life. And so it's important. Now, again, this, this aspect of the Word of God, I like this passage because to me what this passage says to me as, as a soul winner is, it doesn't matter often uh, you know, to me how many people get saved when I go out. I just need to make sure I'm sharing the truth, the Word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And His Word will fulfill that which it was intended to fulfill. It'll, it'll accomplish what God intended it to accomplish. You say, well, it's just not working today. People don't want to hear the truth and people aren't receiving and accepting it. They're not, they're not receptive of it any longer. It doesn't matter because God has a purpose for the Word of God and He, he, he wants it to, to accomplish something. And He says, let me tell you, you just give it out. It will accomplish what I intend it to. You just do your part and I'll do mine. I like that promise. I, I don't have to worry about the results all the time. I just simply have to worry about being obedient. And fulfilling the word of God and going and sharing and taking it to others. Um, water. Ephesians 5.26 is another verse that helps us with that. He says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word of God. Again, likening the word of God to water. To water. What about this one? Meat. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. We read, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk. Remember, remember we're, we're babes, they take the milk of the word early on in 1 Peter 2, 2 there. Here we find in this particular passage, he says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. So now again, the, the word of God not only being likened unto milk, but also meat. So there's an element there where milk obviously goes down easy, but meat, you've got to kind of chew it up. You've got to digest that thing. It's not as easy. It's not as simple. And so we find that the Word of God is likened unto meat. Also, it's likened unto vegetables or those kind of things. Uh, over in the book of Psalm, chapter 78, verse 24, the Bible says, And had rained down manna upon them to eat, and had given them the corn of heaven. The corn of heaven. Talking about those that were wandering in the wilderness, and therefore they received the corn of heaven. Well, we know that, that the manna, you know, is likened unto the, 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 the bread of life and so forth. And so we have there kind of an association with, I guess, vegetables or some kind of food there, meaning that the Word of God, again, sustains us. It meets our need. It provides for us. And so we see a number of things that the Bible is likened unto. And um, it, it, it's a, let's face it, the Word of God is spiritual food for us. And, you know, if you want to grow, you're going to have to eat some spiritual food. You want to be sustained, you've got to eat some spiritual food. Uh, you want to remain, uh, you know, like say strong and healthy and vibrant in your Christian life, you've got to get in the Word of God and you've got to eat some spiritual food. 
That's all there is. Drink some spiritual drink. And it's found right here in the Word of God. That's as simple as it is. Someone, Joshua, preached a message about a week and a half ago on a Wednesday night. And he said something about, he said, this one thing you can never do is stop reading the Word of God. Just keep reading the Word of God. No matter what goes on in your life, no matter how you feel, no matter whether you feel like it or not, just keep staying in the Word of God. Just keep reading the Word of God. And then ultimately meditate on it and ultimately study on it. Yes. But and all else fails, at least read the Word of God every single day. Well, guess what? What are we saying? We need to eat. You know, if you stopped eating food for a period of time, you'd will away to nothing. Sooner or later, your body would become so weak and weary that you would be susceptible to every disease that would come along. Pretty soon, you're going to, you're going to end up in the grave if you don't eat something, if you don't sustain your body, your strength. And guess what? Listen, spiritually, we're dying because we're not in the book, not in the Word of God. See, everybody has answers today. Everybody knows what we should do. Everybody knows what, we should, what should be taking place. Everybody knows what the problem is. Everybody knows what everybody else's problem is. And it's kind of funny to me, though. But we're dying spiritually still. What's the problem with that? How can we be so smart and so stupid? I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh, well, uh, you got all the answers. Let me ask you something. Uh, what have you studying in your Bible lately? Well, I study and I'm, well, you know, I, I read it. I, I drop it and where it all falls open, I read. Let me tell you something. You, if you, you know what? You did that when you first got saved. That's not how you function today. You don't do that as a spiritual believer. Let me, well, I just go home and whatever falls out of the cabinet when I open it, that's what I eat. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? You mean to tell me that your wife or you don't, you don't plan your meals? You don't have any idea? You go to the store? You don't buy anything specific? You just go there and say, well, I'll just wait and see what falls into the cart. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. And all I'm saying is, is, that, is that the Word of God is, is so many different things to us. But, but we've got to be in it. We have to, we have to feed on it. If, if we're going to actually, actually know the mind of Christ. Your mind and my mind doesn't matter here. Okay, everybody has, well, I think our music should be this. And I, I think that Sunday school should teach this. And I think that, that, the, that, that we shouldn't have such strict standards on this. And I think that we should, shouldn't be out soul winning so much. And I think that we, and I think, and I think, and I think, and I think. Okay, good. You have an opinion, you're allowed to have one. But let me ask you something. What does God think? Yeah. Well, why don't we try to find the mind of Christ? You know, you can't know the mind of Christ unless you're in His book. You've got to be in the Word of God. It's funny. I just feel like we need to go this direction. Well, how much time have you spent in the Bible this last month? Well, I read the Bible every day. I didn't ask you if you read it. How much time have you spend in it? How much do you meditate on it? Do you memorize any verses lately? Have you you really dug deep? Have you really found something out? What has God shared with you out of the Word of God lately that you did not know? I mean, I'm just saying, we've got to dig into this thing. We've got to know the mind of Christ if we really want to know how to lead our families. If we want to know how to lead our our marriages and the direction to take the marriage. If we really want to know uh, what decisions to make and how to lead our children and our our families and ultimately our our Sunday school classes and our our children and our ministries, what in the world? How can we do that without His mind? This is the direction that we're going today. See, the carnal mind rules all today. 
Let me tell you something. God never intended that the Christian live a carnal life at all. And therefore, until we get the mind of Christ, we will not ultimately go the direction Christ wants us, nor will we receive the blessings God intends. I appreciate so much the attitude that I just heard out of the mouth of Bobby Allman. Folks, listen to me. Do you think that God would want her bitter at him for taking her husband? And yet, how many people get bitter when a loved one is taken? Thank God for the mind of Christ that, that... saturated with the word, obviously. There's something there, folks, to be able to look people in the eye and say, oh yeah, my heart breaks. There's a burden in my life. But I'm happy for my husband. I thank God for the hope that is in me. Man, folks, I pray to God I can have that heart and attitude. I'm just saying, that's the mind of Christ. But Christians often don't have that mind, and then we'll still believe we're right with God, even though we're bitter at God. I'm telling you, just folks, we need to be very careful that we're not deceiving ourselves even. And the, what the, what's the purpose of this book? One of them is spiritual food. Give us the strength to have the mind of Christ and to do those things that please the, the Lord. Not only is it spiritual food, but what's the purpose? What's, what's the, what, what, what role does it play in our lives? Well, that book right there cleanses us. It cleanses us. Take your Bible, look over Psalm chapter 119, verse 9. Can, can I just say, I'm going to say this too. I'm going back just a little bit, but as you're looking for that verse, if, if, I, if I had one thing to say that, that, that is crippling Christianity in America today, it's bitterness. It's crippling Christianity. And it's, it's, it's paralyzing God's people. Even if they're actively involved in the ministry, they are paralyzed spiritually because of bitterness. I'm telling you, you, we need to be very careful with that. And that is not the mind of Christ, mind you. No way. Christ was the last person to be bitter. The last. And he said, this exa- I've left you with this example. Do as I've done to you. I mean, this is what you're to do. Act this way. Live this way. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying that I have it all figured out. But what I do know is that it doesn't belong in my life. And it doesn't belong in anyone's life. And, and I think today, Christianity as a whole has adopted a very carnal mindset that has embraced bitterness as a right. I'm allowed to feel the way I feel because I've been hurt, injured. I'm a victim. We, we're going to be announcing this soon, but uh, Mrs. Allman is going to begin a, um, a, a, new, a new ministry at Community Baptist Temple. It's called Full Bloom, and we'll talk about it next week a little bit more. We're going to pray with her about it and set it on, set it straight and get it going the right direction. But it's, it's going to be, it's, a, it, it's a, um, a group for women that have been sexually abused. Okay? Now, she has credentials, and she, unfortunately, has a tremendous understanding in this area. But if there's one thing that keeps people from fulfilling or blooming and blossoming as God intends them to, it's bitterness. It must be addressed and it must be dealt with. And the Word of God is an amazing tool. When we get into it, we begin to see ourselves for who we really are, not as we, not as we see ourselves. We see ourselves the way God sees us. It's a mirror. And, and that's why this next point works. 
Because when we get in the Word of God, all of a sudden we start to see our every area that's flawed. It, it, this book cleanses us. In Psalm 119, we, we noted it again. Verse 9. <clears throat> Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Wherewithal. How shall a young man cleanse his way? How does he keep his life pure, clean? How does he do that? He says, by taking heed thereto according to thy word. Not just knowing the truth, but applying the truth in their life. When a young man applies God's truth in his life, when he he knows this book, he applies this book, then he will remain clean. You say, it's so hard to remain clean. One of the great obstacles to remain clean is that we are not in the Word of God. If we're not in this book, it's going to be a lot harder to stay clean than if we're in it. This book is what keeps us clean. This is what, you you struggle with bad thoughts? We've got to get in the Word of God. You know, the Christian life, I often say this, the Christian life is not a complicated life. It may not be easy, but it's not complicated. The Christian life may not be easy, but it's not complicated. And, And unfortunately, I was thinking as we were singing some of the songs today, I thought, when you feel like God isn't good, just keep going to it. When you feel like the Word of God isn't working, just keep going to it. Because sooner or later, it'll break. Sooner or later, it opens up. Sooner or later, God illuminates you. He gives you what you need. We quit too soon. And we don't give God an opportunity to work. Sometimes God's trying to break us down. And He uses the Word of God to to ultimately help build us up. It'll show us our faults, reveal to us our weaknesses. But then ultimately, it's the very thing we need to build us back up. So it'll reveal to us areas that we need to get clean. And it also will cleanse us. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. And then not only does it cleanse us, but it keeps us clean. Once we're cleansed, once we get where we need to be, the word of God is what will keep us there. And just two verses down from there in verse 11 uh, in the book of Psalms, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Now, let me ask you something. Um, How much of the Word of God have you hid in your heart? Now, I know we've got the book, and there's a lot of chapters and a lot of books here. 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 30-some thousand words, they tell us. Now, that's a lot. And you know, you may know, you may have read through this a number of times. But it won't be what you've read that'll keep you clean. It'll be what you've hid in your heart. There's a big difference. That's why we say it's not enough. He doesn't say, read to shew thyself approved unto God. He says, study to shew thyself approved unto God. There's an element there that goes far more, it goes far beyond just reading the Bible. If you read the Bible, that's good. But it's not enough. If you truly want to be clean and stay clean. So you say, I'm warring with lust in my life. Okay, join the human race. You want to overcome it though. You really serious about it? Then you're going to have to saturate yourself with the Word of God. You need the mind of Christ. 
It's not enough to just read the Bible. Well, I spend at least 15 minutes a day reading and praying. Whoopee. I mean, honestly, you really think you're going to overcome 24 hour, 23 hours and 45 minutes of bom- satanic bombardment by reading your Bible probably for 5 or 10 minutes and then just praying for a few minutes? Are we really serious thinking, believing that that's the case? I'm not saying you have to spend hour upon hour upon hour, but let me say something. I mean, let's be honest. If we don't spend enough time to memorize a verse, we don't spend enough time to capture a golden nugget, if we don't spend enough time for the Holy Spirit to drive home a truth in our life, how are we to overcome sin in our life? We, we really do. If, we're not, if we were honest, uh, all of us to some degree or another probably don't spend the time we ought to spend. And we wonder why we fail so often. Maybe it's because our mind is not fixed on Him. It's fashionable to be a Christian at times. It's fashionable to go to church at times. It's fashionable to go soul winning, to teach Sunday school. It's fashionable. Feels good even. But unless you're fixed on Him, it's not going to enable you to overcome sin in your life and be victorious. That's just the reality of it. No amount of service conforms us to the image of Christ. It is fellowship with Him that does that. And that's so important to understand. That's why it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you do. It's who you are that's important. Because in the end, anybody can pretend to be something. But what we are is really what matters. And the Word of God is, a, is the key to all of this. Not only does it cleanse us, does it keep us, is it food for the spiritual food, but it equips us for living. It equips us for living. Um, <clears throat> let me see. I want three people to read here for just a moment. Can I get some volunteers toward the front? Jay, can you do 109105? We've got somebody else over here. I saw a hand. Um, Mark, can you do um, Psalm 1, 1 through 3? And, and, and can you do Joshua 1.8, brother? So we've got these three verses. Let's take a look at these verses for just a moment. The Word of God, it equips us for living. It provides us with some things. First of all, it provides us with a road to travel. Everybody needs direction in their life. Well, the Word of God provides that to us as believers. Okay, um, I think it was Jake first. Go ahead. 119.105. You probably got it memorized, brother. I know. You'll, once you start, you'll go, oh, yeah. I memorized that for a soul winning class, or I memorized that for some class. Go ahead and say that again, slower. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Okay. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Man, the word of God, it, it's shining bright on the path that I'm to travel. It's pointing out the direction I'm to go. As uh, <clears throat> a young man in the military, and we're doing maneuvers and training, a number of times we did what was called night training. Well, night training, you had to use night discipline. And night discipline meant you couldn't put any light on. And then they had these little lights on your Jeeps, you know, in the very bottom. I don't know if you've ever had these, these the little teeny lights at the bottom of your Jeep for night discipline. You, you might as well not even have them on. It was a joke. They didn't help me a bit. I, I just, you know what I learned to do, actually, is I learned to look at the skyline, and you followed tree lines in order to get where you were going. You didn't worry about how, where you were going. You just hoped that it didn't drop off somewhere, 
You just kind of go like that. You follow the tree line. You don't go too fast in the middle of the dark either, but in the middle of the night. But night, 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 night uh, discipline, if you will. And so, uh, but, but boy, I'll tell you what, every once in a while, we, we break, the, break the rules. I remember my, my uh, lieutenant that I was driving for that one year out doing maneuvers, he, he said, he said oh, I can't take this no more. I can't take it. We've got to turn the lights on. I said, we can't, sir. We can't turn the lights on. We've got to, the enemy's out there. He said, I don't care about the enemy. We're going to kill ourselves out here. He flipped, had me flip the lights on, man. I'll tell you what. As soon as we flipped them lights on, you could see, man, it was like, I mean, it was unbelievable. I mean, we knew exactly where we were going and what we need to do. And uh, he's just like, go faster. Because they can't catch us at least. And so we're flying through here. Now, listen, all I'm saying is, is that that's what this book is. That's what the Word of God is. It's, it's like putting on the headlights, man. I mean, it brightens up the path, the direction, the, 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 the road we're to travel. And the Word of God provides us. It provides us with a road to travel. And, and someone says, I just don't know where I'm going in life. I don't know what life's all about. I, have, I don't have any of the answers. Well, the Word of God does. It'll give you direction. It's guidance and leadership. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. Not only does the Word of God provide us a road to travel... It provides us some roots. Go ahead. Yes. When you get into this word, you're going to find that you're going to grow some roots. You're going to go deep into the earth, so to speak. Deep into the Word of God. Deep into the heart of God. The mind of Christ. And I'm telling you what. We need some roots that hold us up. I mean, a tree that has deep roots is sturdy and strong. Man, the storms of life are coming. They're going to hit sooner or later. You know, when you're young, everything's great. Usually. Usually. I mean, we can't say that all the time. But the fact is, is that most young people, man, they open up a newspaper or get online. They don't ever see a friend in the obituaries usually. And if they do, it's so rare, and it's like, (gasps) and they go, well, that's just a weird thing because that doesn't happen. You get my age? I mean, I'm only 51, and I'm telling you right now, I'm going, oh, my, this guy's only 48, and this guy's only 56, and this guy's only, oh, my. And then all of a sudden you get maybe aches and some pains. Maybe you get some eyes start to go bad. You, you maybe somebody's hearing's getting worse. Or, or you, you know, you, you, I mean, just things start happening in your life and you start going, wow. Let me tell you, troubles come. Heartaches come. When you're young, you don't see a lot of people die around you. Very rarely. Now, if you do, you know, that's, that's not the, the norm usually. But the older you get, guess what? Not only is it just people. Now it's people you know and people you care about and Folks that are close to you and people you grew up with. You better start growing some roots to eat. You know how you do that? This book. Listen, the devil's more than happy to shake our faith. He is more than happy to shake our faith. As I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I tell you what, I, I've been having some real warfare with the devil over this thing. Maybe it's not the devil himself because he probably wouldn't waste time with me. I'm, I'm a little fish in the pond. But let me tell you, demonically, I, I feel like there's been oppression in my life at times. Let me tell you something. The devil's real. And, man, he's trying to get us. He's trying to mess with our minds. We better stay in this book. 
This book's the key. We better stay in it. Someone says, well, I just do more praying than I do reading. You better get in that book. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. You, know, somebody, you can say whatever you want, but personally, uh, I, I believe that I, I learned a lesson growing up in my life that when you get around somebody who can teach you something, you shut your mouth and listen. I always have a lot more to hear from God than I do to tell God. I think He can teach me a lot more than I can teach Him. <laughs> and I know I have a lot of needs, but let me tell you something. If I'm close to Him, then all of a sudden He defines my real need. I don't want to be praying, wasting my time praying for things that God's not sincere about or want me to pray about. So I'm a, I need to be in the book more than I even need to be in prayer toward God, really. And there are seasons in our life when prayer becomes a little more important. When there are issues of maybe people that are hurting and need our help, we're praying specifically about a certain circumstance. But let me tell you something. We start forfeiting the Word of God just so that we can tell God how we feel and what we want and what we need all the time. We're not getting what He wants to give us. You better be careful. Don't give, up your, your, don't give up your Bible time for prayer all the time. Now, there may be seasons, but you be real careful with that because God speaks to us through His Word, and so we don't want to ever not hear the voice of God. Stay on it. Well, I get this voice. I just, much riding, mighty rushing winds. Okay, fine. I've had some experiences where I knew God was speaking as plain as day. It might as well have been audible, but it wasn't, praise the Lord. Because if it was, then there would be something wrong with me probably. God don't speak to us audibly anymore. But He does speak in our heart, that still small voice, and it roars. It ain't small to me. Every time I hear it, it's like rocks my world. His voice is a lot, it's different than my own voice, by the way. You can tell the difference. But I'll tell you what, every day I get in this book, He speaks to me. He's talking to me. You say, I never get anything from it. Oh, well, sometimes I don't always get what I want out of it either. But it isn't because he isn't talking. All I have to do is read it. Oh, now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, Oh, he just talked to me. Do you hear that? He just talked to me. Wow. You know, we lose the wonder of that. Never forget he's speaking. We've got to close this out. Finally, Joshua 1.8. Thou shalt have what kind of success, brother? Good success. There must be a difference between success and good success, or maybe there's bad success and good success. I, what I do know is, though, it, what I do know is when we get in this book and we meditate on it day and night and we really allow it to saturate our heart, our minds, then we're on the road to good success. Good success. Not what the world may call success, good success, God's success. That's important. So we see that He provides us a road. Roots and ultimately reward. Out of that book right there, it's worth getting in the Word of God. And then it brings us to maturity. And we could take the time to read 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. Uh, we could see that, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Truly furnished unto all good works. Perfect. That word meaning mature, that word perfect, mature. It brings us to maturity. It enables us to grow to full maturity as God would intend us to. No child that stays little, small, and never grows is really the way God intended it. If they don't grow, there's something wrong. God intends a child to grow. He intends his children to grow. And so we can't do that without being in the Word of God. It brings us to maturity. 
So we need a steady diet of the Word of God. Those are some of the things that God does with His Word. We, we, we've read about them. We, we noted them. Again, the Word is spiritual food. It cleanses us. It keeps us clean. It equips us for living. It brings about maturity in our life. You want to be a mature Christian? You can't do that without being in the Word of God. You can't do that. You know? I mean, what is 24 hours in a day times 7 is what? 140, 168? 168 hours a week. And how many minutes do we spend a week in it? Minutes, usually. Minutes. Are we really serious about this thing called the Christian life? Are we really serious about the Creator? About the Savior? Are we really serious about our relationship with the Lord? I mean, how many minutes did we spend this week? That's kind of sad when you think about it, isn't it? But I'm not foolish enough to think that everybody in here spent hours. I'm not. I know statistically what it would be. And I trust it's a lot higher here than it would be statistically in the world. Let me tell you, statistically, it's extremely low. Most people don't even spend five minutes a day in the Bible on average. Not even five minutes. And you might be surprised how few people in this room even get it out every day. At all. You might be surprised. Folks, listen. This is serious business. This book, it's imperative and important that we are in it. This, God gave this to us. Let's not set it down and neglect it. It is one of the great, it's, the, it's one of the greatest gifts God's ever given to mankind. It is the greatest gift because really we wouldn't even know who He is without it. Right. Father, we come to you.